1: Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox podcast with Tanny and Herb. Tanny and
2: Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence, Echnowall23 on Twitter, Chris Tannehill at Chris Tannehill, and our show Locked On Sox at Locked On Sox on Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube. Go there and subscribe, and maybe you will be the recipient of a Locked On Sox Prize pack 312 566 8727. The way you reach us via voicemail or lockdownsocks at gmail.com. But without any further ado, here is Chris Tannehill.
1: Hello, Herb. It's episode 196 tonight of Locked On White Sox. And sorry for the delay, folks. There are some scheduling issues. But uh, yeah, it's uh, episode 196 tonight. And we are brought to you tonight by the fine folks at Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app. From the iOS app store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Alright, so today's episode, her, we're going to talk with Nash Walker of Locked On Twins. We're hoping to parlay this into a two-parter because of those have gone swimmingly well over the past couple weeks. As we're continuing on with our Crossover Wednesday edition here at the Locked On Podcast Network. But there is some Sox news to mention here right out of the chute. Um, I was watching that Cactus League game today against the Oakland Athletics and everyone probably has seen by now, but Eloy Jimenez uh, having another dust up with the wall. Uh, The Sox are saying right now that he was pulled due to left shoulder discomfort and they'll have more information tomorrow. So we won't talk about it too much until we have a little bit more revealed to us. I'm thinking on Monday's show we'll spend some time talking about whatever the ramifications are going to be. Hopefully it's just what should the White Sox do with Eloy Jimenez and hopefully it's not how should they replace Eloy Jimenez for like 12 weeks. I'm hoping it's it's the former and not the latter, but it's something you hate to see and I was watching it with Shane Reardon in the control room at mm. the Score Studios today and it was just it was it had that very bleak feeling, but hopefully it's one of those things that just looked worse than it actually was.
2: Yeah, um I I hope it's yeah like you're saying just a minor thing it's spring they're practicing so if he had a little discomfort smart to take him out um we're gonna have the discussion again I know it's the way too long because we got this episode coming but man oh man one thing that we said with the White Sox is injuries are gonna be the thing because they don't have the proper depth to fill these spots in so there's no left fielder that's gonna give you Eloy, even close to Eloy, like half of Eloy production. So, this is gonna be a troublesome thing if he's out for the beginning of the year, months or weeks. So, I'm very sad to see that. Uh, I, I I just want the kid to say, you know what? Anything I can't catch by just running, and if I hear Luis Robert say anything, I'm stopping. I would rather him make an air of the ball just f- going in between him and Luis than him getting hurt or him hurting Luis. So I don't know. Like, I don't, it's hard to governor a person and say only catch balls that are hit at you, especially a competitor like Eloy. He thinks he's a good left fielder. He wants to be, he, the desire is there, but I think it's decision-making in the time of doing things is always going to get him hurt. We saw the Charlie Tilson thing. We saw the Luis Robert thing. We saw the wall. You said he's faced the wall many times, coming out with all else. So this is very sad to see. I don't want the kid to be hurt because his bat will play, and that's the important part for him.
1: Absolutely, I think at the very worst case scenario, he will. We're looking at a situation where he'll be back by the All Star break, and you know he'll be he'll be there when it matters the most. And you saw Eloy was not there in the postseason when it did matter most because of a, a fluke injury. Some people said it was during, you know, the the celebration. Uh, it was during Giolito's no-hitter. And then some people said it was on a slide in that Cleveland series. But regardless, he wasn't there in the postseason. And you saw, you know, it comes down to all of a sudden you, a guy missing like that from from your lineup. And it's, it's a guy who, you know, you could have benefited from having a guy like that be out there in the postseason for you. So we'll have more info on that. Uh, probably next week, uh, or maybe a little bit tomorrow. But right now, from Locked On Twins, you can follow him at Nash Walker Nine on Twitter. He is Nash Walker of Locked On Twins.
2: And I know White Sox fans, and I'm guilty of it too. Calm down, Nash is a good cat. <laughs> Just because he's a Twins fan doesn't mean that he's the enemy. This year, he might be. Whether at least his team is. Nash, how you doing tonight?
0: I'm good. Thanks for having me guys. Uh, I'm glad we got to join up finally. I know after the the long hiatus, you know, it's, it's nice that we finally get to talk some Sox twins because I think this rivalry and we'll talk about it a little bit today. I think it's an underrated one for 2021. I think uh, a lot of people are talking about Dodgers Padres, but I think twin Sox is back and it's back in a big way.
2: It's getting there. And there's a lot of reasons because of the uh, people going to different teams. But I wanted to start off with this. We're not big time manager people. And you see that we hired Tony LaRussa. So we were mad initially that they hired the guy. But at the end of it, it won't matter that much as far as wins and losses. Mm -hmm. You guys have Rocco Belt, a guy that has won, um, been successful with the Twins, won the division last year. What are your thoughts on firstly his managing style and what do you think about him going into this year uh, managing and most of the thing I think managing is is managing the bullpen. What do you think he does well and what do you think he can improve on?
0: Well, I think Rocco was part of, you know, when Paul Mauder left in after 2017, they wanted to get younger and they got the youngest manager in baseball. Uh, But Rocco, his whole vibe and his entire mantra is rest and recovery and the Twins have built a team, and they try to live off, hey, this is 162. You know, it's a six-month season. Uh, Rocco's not shy about resting guys. You know, they'll skip batting practices. They'll, he, he wants his guys to come ready to play, and he knows that they're professionals, and he treats them as such. He's not – at all the type of guy who's going to slap on the wrist for players you know he's not he's not a vocal guy he's very chill and relaxed and they can lose by 15 runs and he's he's the same he doesn't get too high he doesn't get too low and i think over 162 in in 2019 it benefited them in that way because they were able to bounce back during the regular season uh, and win 101 games and i think a big part of that was they didn't get too low after losing streaks or after a bad loss they all kind of took in that mentality Um, And Rocco emulated that. I will say about the front office and about him this year, I think this is their biggest challenge. And we'll talk about this, you know, the the Sox and the Twins and and how they line up. But I think this is the biggest challenge for them thus far because you have this White Sox team – that looks like a juggernaut and they're here and they're rebuilt and they're ready to go. And I think the division we know has been weak, you know, in the last couple of years, Uh, the White Sox taking a huge step in 2020. And I think now they're really ready to rock, you know, with adding Lance Lynn and and Liam Hendricks and um, to a lineup that's already great. I think they're ready to go. And I think this is a test for the twins for sure. And for Rocco faced with really tough adversity of a team that's ready to, like, I I look at the White Sox as, um, you know, a team that, the Twins, that's that's their adversity this year. I don't think it's necessarily like, you know, they're going to have trouble in, in a certain area or, you know, I, I think the biggest thing for the Twins and what could be their downfall is the White Sox just running the table. You know what I mean? I, I feel like, and I think Twins fans feel that way too. I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think the White Sox just have so much upside that it's going to be interesting this year. Like if the Sox get out to a big lead or, or you know, the division is, is uh, tight, how Rocco will manage the team in that case um, and how he'll kind of have that same mantra and, and if fans are receptive to that. But that's the main thing with him, like just so chill, um, you know, just not too high, not too low. And thus far, I think Twins fans are really pleased with Rocco for sure.
1: You talked about that roster construction. There's a lot of things going on here with this Twins roster. A lot of guys uh, lost to free agency, a lot of youngsters coming up. But let's let's go back to the end of 2020 after that you know, disappointing postseason loss to the Astros. How disappointing was that uh, for the Twins fan base in terms of expectations? And how did that particular postseason series and the way it unfolded, how did that sort of factor into some of the offseason moves that were made or, or not made for the Twins?
0: Yeah, I think you looked at it and my buddies and i my buddies are from uh, Crystal Lake here. Um, So big Sox fans. I got some Sox fan buddies and we were talking about it the other night. How crazy it is that they do have that longest postseason losing streak in the history of sports. Um, But that just like exacerbated the entire record was they get this Astros team in the first round. And the twins played so well at Target Field last year, uh, which was impressive that there were no fans there. And they still really I think they were so comfortable at home in such a crazy year played so well there. And I think the twins fans were looking at the American league picture and saying, we want the Astros and we want the Astros at home because the Astros were 29 and 31 uh, just didn't, they they didn't have it all year, you know? And I think when we were, when the twins were matched up with Houston, it was like, this is, this is ideal. You know, this is a a perfect scenario. And then we, eyed the uh, fun white Sox series in the second round, we're hoping for that. But, to have that happen in those two games where they just shut down outside of Nelson Cruz. I mean, he drove in both runs and it wasn't pitching because a lot of the a lot of the time fans will be like the twins. They keep losing in the postseason because they don't have an ace. You know, they, they don't have the pitching. Barrios and Maeda pitched very well in, in both those games and started the games very well. And, um, you know, the bullpen Sergio Romo imploded a little bit, but it was the offense. And so you can't, and then it, before the narrative was like, it's the Yankees, the Yankees that we just can't play the Yankees. It's they're going to beat us. No, it's, it's now everyone, <laughs> everyone's beaten the twins. Um, so it was just really disappointing in that sense, especially after uh, the 60 game season and grinding through that. And just how weird it was. I think twins fans were hoping that, this would be or that would be the year where they could make that run and they could they could get this awesome draw of playing a losing team. I think that might have been the first time a losing team was ever in the postseason. Um, It was a great draw for them to break this streak, and they just didn't do it. I think they looked at that team, and it's just it's a problem of depth because Donaldson was out. Buxton didn't start in the second game, um, and I think they looked at it and they said, listen, if Donaldson gets hurt again, he's a major injury concern. We don't want Marwin Gonzalez playing third base every day. You know, we don't want to have to force Marwin Gonzalez into that. He just struggled so mightily last year. And so they went out and got Andrew Simmons. They moved Jorge Polanco to second. And then Luis Arise is now that 10th man instead of Marwin. And I think that's a depth upgrade for them where they just, if they do have an injury, I feel like they wanted to build the depth to to manage it and to try to be the healthiest they can. And if they're not healthy... Try to not have a huge drop off into the next tier, I would say, into the postseason. So I, I think that was the focus, like building more depth to make sure that guys who have gotten hurt a lot in the past, like Buxton and Donaldson, that you have plan B backup options for them.
2: I'm a fan of the Twins rotation, that at least at the top. Kinsa Maeda, solid as they come. Barrios, we as White Sox fan know Jose Barrios, especially at the beginning of his career, was killing us. Now, when we get to the third, fourth, and fifth starters, a little questionable. Michael Pineda, I think it is when he's healthy and when he's pitching well, you can live with that, but that's a few and far between. One of the things as White Sox fans that we scratched our head at is the Twins' acquisition of Jay Happ. It was, you know, Jay Happ throws from the left side, and the White Sox last year famously were 14-0 and versus left-handed starters, and Tim Anderson in particular used to feast on left-handers last year. Mm-hmm. How's Jay Hap looking this year? And um, what are the expectations for that twins ro- um, rotation in general?
0: I think you guys know when, when your team makes a signing that initially, I think I looked at it in the same way you did. I'm sure I looked at, it. I was like, I, I didn't even talk about him this off season. Cause I, the American league, not just the white Sox, the American league is very right-handed heavy. And I, I've, leaned and I know this is maybe a little extreme but I've leaned to in the American League I want a more right-handed rotation if I'm a team a contender in the American League and so when they signed Hap, I did like raise an eyebrow at it but I I tried to be talked into it too I think for me I'm not super high on Jay Hap. I think if he were to give you 150 160 innings of 100 ERA plus like just league average ball and, and eat some innings I think that's more important this year just given how guys didn't really throw last year much. Um, so it's a depth signing in that way. But I also have said, like, I would be quick to move him out of the rotation. It's a one-year deal for $8 million. I think if he's struggling, um, they have other guys who I think can come up and pitch and Dobnak and Thorpe and Smeltzer, guys who have found some success at the major league level that I don't think you're committed to have, certainly for the entire year. Um, the Twins rotation, I think if they didn't have Kent and they didn't make that trade last year, they'd be in a heap of trouble. And I think it does go back to that. Him not only coming in to add depth to the rotation, but now he's that guy. And it was just so special to see him break out last year and to have his personality on the team, too. He's just he's a top-notch guy. Um, and I think it was tough for Twins fans to see Bruce Dargraderil go to L.A., but the Kenta Maeda deal for them, um, just special on a lot of levels. And he kind of just bolsters that rotation. But a lot of it, again, relies on Burrios. Like, I, I think – Jose right now is a good number two, and I think for a long time we've hoped that he's going to take that next step and become like your game one ace starter. He's just not there, and I think the difference is his second half, he tends to just really fade away. In the first half, he's right there with Cole and and Strasburg and those other guys, but in the second half, he really starts to fade. They thought they had a plan for him last year to be ready to go, and he didn't get a chance to do that, obviously, over 162. Um, But I definitely feel good about the top two, and like I said, you know in the playoffs last year, they pitched well. I think at the deadline, Twins fans would like to see, uh, you know, if they're in a position to make the postseason again, I think Twins fans would love to see them get aggressive and add one more playoff starter um, for sure. Also, that Pineda had Tommy John two years ago uh, and had a late start to 2020, and I think I'm worried. I was thinking about it today. I'm a little worried that his workload is going to be limited too. So I think Twins fans myself would would certainly like to see them add another playoff caliber starter. You always want to add a playoff caliber starter. Uh, But I think they'll be able to navigate with this rotation and with the depth they have. But I think if they went into the postseason, I'd be a little more wary of it. I'd like to have a a better top three, I would say. Um, You know, I think the Sox top three is a rotation that in the postseason I would love to have. And then I think, you know, over the regular season when you're trying to make up all these innings, I can see why they go for a depth approach. But you definitely want to see more upside, I think, at the top. And it could be Barrios that provides that. You know, it could be him taking the next step, and now you have a really big one-two punch. But, um, you know, he hasn't done it yet. We're just hoping for it.
1: Let's stay with the, the pitching staff here for a second. That that bullpen, you know, the Twins lose Trevor May to the Mets early on in the offseason. And when the Twins are the Twins and they're at their best, like they, they just come at you with guys that just pound the strike zone, don't always overpower you, but they know how to get you out. How would you grade uh, the bullpen uh, in 2021 for the Minnesota Twins? Is it strength, weakness? What are we looking
0: at here? I think this front office, since they've come in, their number one thing is they believe that they can grab these relievers and make them effective. And, and we saw it with Matt Whistler last year. Um, I think his ERA was like 1.10 or something crazy. And his slider, he's throwing all sliders, like picked him up as a waiver claim, and he became really effective for the Twins. They let him go this offseason. I think a big part of that is they do believe they can bring in guys like Hanzo Robles, who had an ERA over 10 last year for the Angels and just struggled. His velocity was down. And they believe they can tweak these guys and and have them um, find another gear. Uh, they did it with Tyler Duffy midway through 2019. Tyler Duffy was well barely on the Twins, and then he became um, just a, a really great right-handed reliever. Taylor Rogers struggled last year. I think the Twins believe that he's going to bounce back, uh, but he's an anchor for sure. Like he needs to bounce back for them. And again, it goes back to that left-handed thing. Rogers' left-hander doesn't throw super hard, um, has sharp stuff, but I, I just would like to see him bounce back in a way that the bullpen is bolstered by because he's very important. But I think they're going to be more of like, a, I don't know, like a five to eight group in the American League uh, this year. I don't think that they have, um, you know, disaster all over it. But I also don't think that they're going to have like this fire breathing, ridiculous bullpen, um, you know, bringing in your guy, Colome I think helps on the back end, just as having that right handed option with Rogers as your lefty. I think they'll kind of platoon those two a little bit in the eighth and ninth innings. Um, But I thought that was a good depth signing for five and a half million. And he's got that club option for next year. Um, But I was surprised by the Colomay signing. I think when they signed him and talked about that relationship with Nelson Cruz and he's got a relationship with Rocco from Tampa, it made a little bit more sense. But, um, you know, I was surprised by that. I I was I was giggling because when your your team's rival, like you, you start to see these players and it's just like in sports, like you start to not like these players, right? And Colomay's killed the Twins, and it's like, oh God, you know, he he shut them down the last two years, and and you start to like not not like him for that, and then your team signs him, and it's kind of funny. Uh, it just kind of flips that script. But I feel I feel pretty good about the bullpen. Again, they wouldn't hurt from adding Shane Green, who's still a free agent, I think. Uh, <laughs> see him signed today, um, but I feel I feel pretty pretty decent about it. I think going into twenty twenty one, not great, but not disastrous. I would say.
1: This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Locker Room. Welcome aboard, Locker Room. They're one of our new friends, new sponsors on the show. Locker Room is the live audio-only sports talk platform. It's free to download and to use. You can talk to other fans, athletes, and insiders all in real time. They're perfect if you're going to do a watch party, a debate, a post-game breakdown, or just maybe reacting to the big news of the day. I'm hoping Herb and I will get to get down with the Locker Room app, during the regular season, and you guys can interact with us on there, and then maybe even we'll share some of our interactions right here on Locked on White Sox. So, all you have to do is download the Locker Room app, and best of all, it's free in the iOS App Store. All you do is create a profile, link it to your Twitter account, and then join your preferred league. And don't forget, folks, we want those takes spicy on the Locker Room app, okay? Download the Locker Room app in the iOS App Store today. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. We've been Telling you guys about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. If you go to Built Bar on Twitter at bar underscore built, they've got Built Bar Madness going on right now, and you can vote for which Built Bar is your favorite. And I gotta tell you, Built Bar they confuse me all the time on which one's my favorite, especially when I get these drops. Saturday I come home from running some errands. And what's waiting for me at my doorstep is I have two new boxes from Built Bar. But I didn't order any Built Bars. What in the world is going on here? See, Built Bar rolls out these new flavors every once in a while. And they like to send them to us so we can talk about how good they are. And you may have seen them promote what they have called Built Bar Puffs banana cream pie marshmallow is one of the flavors that they had along with churro marshmallow and these things are just delicious they're a little lighter than the traditional built bars I think but they're just as delicious I gave one to my wife she enjoyed it as well and this banana cream pie marshmallow has 130 calories only with 17 grams of protein and only 5 grams of sugar they also sent me what was an amazing flavor. I've got it right here in front of me. Birthday Cake with Sprinkles. Now, the only thing I will say is I wish they would have sent me more because I think this might be one of my new flavors. But it might be too late. So when you're hearing me talk about it, you better get to BuiltBar.com right now and see if they still have this flavor available. It's Birthday Cake with Sprinkles. It's covered in 100% real chocolate. This one in particular, White chocolate. Just 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, and it is delicious. It even has a couple of little sprinkles in there so you could feel like it's your birthday even though it is not. Go to BuiltBar.com now. Use our promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Look, I use the Built Bars in real life. They're delicious. They're helping me on my weight loss journey. I'm down 7 pounds from about a month ago, and I couldn't be happier, and Built Bar has been such a huge part of my weight loss. Go to BuiltBar.com and see the flavors that they've got cooking up. They may run out, so you got to act fast. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15, and go to Built Bar on Twitter and find out who will be the best-tasting protein bar we're covering everything you need to know about the white Sox, but what about the rest of sports now the locked on podcast network has you covered there as well with locked on today it's hosted by the great peter bukowski and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes follow locked on today podcast wherever you get your podcasts
2: as white Sox fans we always hear about the twins and we've heard about these players in particular for years on end and i don't know how twins fans feel about miguel sano or Byron Buxton. Me, I feel that to this point, they have underperformed for where they lofty expectations that they've had. in Through injuries, through Miguel Sano doing, being a knucklehead, all these mm-hmm. things. I'm not even going to count the 2020 season for Miguel Sano. It was a disastrous uh, for numbers-wise. Is there hope in Twinsland for these guys to finally put it all together and become the superstars that they were projected to be?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for Byron, over the last two years, you've seen him really add a lot of power to his profile, which I think has been unbelievable to see. Hitting the ball in the air more. He's added twenty pounds of muscle this year. Um, I mean, it's he's so special to watch. And the thing for him is he's just got to be out there, you know. And it's it's so frustrating because it's it's always at the biggest time or right before the season starts, and like it's always something new. You know, he's had so many injuries. And it's just been frustrating for sure, considering his prospect status, but more so for me, knowing how much of a difference he makes when he's on the field. I think there's, there's a ridiculous stat over the last two years when Buxton's out there, they win like 65% of their games. And when he's not, they're like a 500 team. Like He just makes such a difference defensively on the base pass. Now that he's added this power, he's slugging over 500 the last two years. Like He, he does a lot for them to help them win games. And it's frustrating that he's not out there. This is a make or break year for him in a lot of ways. I feel like we say it every year for both those guys, but it's a make or break year because he's got two years left. The twins want to extend him. He wants to be extended, but who knows his value, right? Like his value on the field is monstrous when he's out there, but he just, he hasn't been out there enough. So this year is huge for him. If he can go out there and and play 140 games like he did in 2017 and kind of prolong that newfound power over a full season, I think uh, he's gonna he's gonna be a beast for them, but that's always the biggest if, you know. It's it's like can he do that? I think for Miguel too. I mean, he, he's just he's a streaky hitter, but he's also, like you said, he's had these ups and downs in his career, and his character's been questioned, and it's just been such a rocky road. And I think it's a testament to prospects where it's not always linear, you know. Like you see Miguel Sanoa as this great prospect, and. You think he's going to come up and produce right away. And he has a great year. He's an all-star and, uh, you know, home run derby. He's awesome. He's so fun to watch. And then it's just these these pitfalls that he has. And they extended him after 2019. Uh, he had a really good 2019 season. I think he had 34 homers in like 102 games. And, and that's the power potential he has. But you just see struggles to consistently make contact. And that's been the problem for him. I think there's also a misconception with power hitters sometimes that they're impatient if they strike out a lot, but the problem with to is not that he's impatient. Like he'll walk his walk It's going to be 10, 11, 12% every year. It's that he just doesn't make contact enough. And so pitchers just start to throw fastballs up and he swings through them, you know? Um, but that's the, that's the thing. Like in spring training, we watch him. We're like, how's he, how's he looking against fastballs? Like, is he catching up to fastballs? Is he going the other way on fastballs? Is he there? Because if he's on fastballs, he's going to hurt you. Um, and, and if you're going to throw, you know, he'll force you to come in by being patient and then he can pound you. But like you said, it's, it's just been so up and down for him. I think with buck, you've seen it a lot more just on all sides of the, like all facets of his game. So just, he's up and down and and he just needs to put it together as well and stay healthy. And I still think that there's a lot of potential if they can both stay healthy and Miguel's more of, he's got to make adjustments at the plate. Um, but Buck, I think I'm, we're all excited about Buxton and that knock on what he's healthy right now. Um, and that he's going to be out there in center every day for them, hopefully for, for a lot of the season
1: and there's plenty of other young guys which we'll get to in a second that have sort of made uh, baseball news here in Twins camp but another guy you, you, along the lines of Buxton this team is totally different when he's in the lineup is Nelson Cruz like we followed the whole Nelson Cruz saga this off season and there was <laughs> this understanding like you know it's certainly the, the 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 flames were fanned by by Hector Gomez tweeting yeah, photo <laughs> I'm sure you followed the whole saga I was aware <laughs> so how important is Nelson Cruz to this team and its success and you know how, from your perspective, like was it ever close to him leaving at all, or was this a, a, simply a situation to leverage more, more another year and more money for, against the White Sox?
0: Well, Nelly's the heart and soul. Like, I think even of, I I know it's like I'm I'm a big Bikes fan too, but on a a wide range like city view, Nelson Cruz in a lot of ways has been the face for the last two years. Like he is so beloved by the community and by the twins and by their fan. Like he is, as you guys know, like top notch off the field, um, great leader and just crushes the baseball. But I, in 2010, like back way back in the day, I would sit in target field in the, in the bleachers and just go to see Nelson Cruz play for the Rangers. Like I loved Nelson Cruz, and when he signed for the, with the Twins, it was it was really rewarding as a fan because he's been one of my favorite players forever. And, and same with Donaldson. So it's just been cool to see the last couple of years those guys signed. But he he means the world to them in more ways than just being their everyday DH. And you know, I think yeah, this offseason I saw I was I was concerned that they would lose Nelly. Yes, because I mean his bat. It's it's in question. He's 41 years old. You know, at a certain point, he's going to stop. But also, just because how much he means and, and Herb mentioned Sano, he's taken Miguel under his wing since the minute he came in. They're both from the DR. You know, their lockers got put next to each other. You know how it goes with the, uh, the how teams will work that. But Miguel and, and Nelly are like so close, and I was worried about that relationship because Sano needs that. You know, he needs someone like like Nelly, and so yeah, I was concerned, and also for the White Sox to add. I mean, Nelson Cruz, in the middle of that lineup was <laughs> that was scary, too. But just the person that he is and what he adds to the team. I was so happy when they re-signed him because I know how much he means um, to everyone in the community, too. He's just he's top notch. And it's sad. we I start to get sad, like thinking even when it's over, because, you know, the, the, the he's at the twilight, certainly like past the twilight. He should be near the way end. But um, it's just it's so good to see him back. And I can't wait to watch him play every day.
2: When um, we did the crossover with the Indians uh, host, we're praising the fact that there's no longer Eddie Rosario in left field for the for the <laughs> Twins. Thank Jesus! He it seemed like every time he come up, he would hit an opposite field home run or some double, whatever. But there's another guy on the Twins that you like, look at it, it's Like, why is Max Kepler stop hitting against us? And I know the splits are not great against the White Sox, but yeah, in in like. The perception is reality. We at the White Sox are like, don't ever pitch to Max Kepler. We saw at the beginning of the last yeah. year. I mean, yeah, to, the I year mean, off with you, us. you
1: wait all year for baseball, and the the doom and gloom of twenty twenty, <laughs> and then the first pitch of the season is Max Kepler taking Giolito deep. Like oh, you know, it's, it was
2: <laughs> like how, like why do the Twins keep on getting guys like this, like just underrated, under uh, scouted, and then they just bring them up and they're
0: good. Yeah, I think a big part's Minnesota for sure, and I think anytime you mentioned like Sano and Buxton are are exceptions to that, right? As global top ten prospects, I think Buxton was first at one point, and Sano was third. Like they're gonna get their publicity, but because they're in Minnesota, I think is a big part of it, and they're in the AL Central with a, a team like the White Sox that is in a big market and. I think that's the case. You'll see guys come up and, and produce, but also again, they've built a system, not just a team, but they have a system that they, they pride on depth. So I would say their system has more depth than it has those top level names. And so, yeah, you forget about a lot of these guys like 2019 when Luis or came up and, and hit 331 for them for the rest of the year from May on um, I'm not like a batting average merchant. Like <laughs> I'm just saying, like I use that as a, as a reference, but no one really knew a lot about him because he was like the the fifteenth or twentieth best prospect in the system, um, and he came up and just started hitting. And so for Twins fans, it happens to us too, where we know about the system, we know these names, but then to see them come up and produce at the at the big level is is special to see. And yeah, I think for the Twins too you see that depth in the system where guys like Kepler and, and Polanco and guys they signed way back in the day internationally will kind of go on un, unseen for a while. And then all of a sudden they're up and they're playing well. Um, but those guys go through their lumps too. Like Kepler struggled early on and uh, he was a below league average hitter and he struggled in 2020 as well. So again, prospect, it's not linear. Uh, I think there are guys that play better against the white Sox for whatever reason. And there's some white Sox who play better against the twins for whatever reason
1: um name one I mean, I, I, i'd like to know <laughs> I, was,
0: I was like racking my brain i was like i was trying to think of i
1: one. don't think there I are any that, and that's okay TA's you're, gonna just, you're, you're just gonna kill yeah, everyone you're just yeah we we do have yeah. one now to, to yeah, yeah, we got he's
0: ta he uh, always <laughs> hurt us since he's been up too for sure but he again he's gonna hurt everyone but and yeah, including
1: including himself yeah yeah um, yeah but,
0: we're gonna talk about that i want to talk to you guys um, about
1: that. speaking of injuries though like you know top prospect royce lewis goes down the other day ACL gone for the year and then the news comes out I believe it was today about Andrew Kiriloff and the decision to keep him down prior to the season starting you know you're already hearing the the rumors of service time manipulation the twins insist that's not the case but what can you tell us about these two guys Royce Lewis Andrew Kiriloff and when can we expect to see them uh, you know of course Lewis after the injury but you know in terms of the twins fan prospect radar how close are these guys or were they to, to coming up?
0: It sucks for Royce to start with him just because, you know, for a lot of these prospects missing all of 2020 hurt some guys more than others. And I think for Royce who struggled a lot in the minors in 2019 at, at high a and double a, he was just ready. Like he worked really hard all winter to be ready to go this spring for the twins. And I watched an interview with him and uh sat's where I work with that twins daily, like a week before he got to camp and he was just so giddy about getting there. And he's been working with Tori Hunter, in Texas every day, you know, lifting and hitting and um, the tutelage of Hunter helping him out. But it, it just sucked to see, like, he he was doing some drills, and his he felt it in his knee, and then he slipped on ice. It's just like, those things, it feels like happens to Twins top prospects. Um, <laughs> it happened to Royce. But it sucks for him, and I think, you know, he's still young. I think he's 21, so we're hoping, I think the Twins are hoping by fall instructs he'll be playing. And then for AK, for Kirloff, yeah, I mean, I think that was the biggest question of, of spring training. You guys probably know with Vaughn, too. Uh, you start to hear those things about the the service time manipulation. And I think there were three factors that I've talked about with Kirloff. Is is one, the service time for sure has a lot of weight. I mean, as much as they want to say it's a baseball decision, as much as fans want to say, oh, it's he's struggled in spring training, which is number two, spring training performance, as much as I think a lot of us don't like to view that. I think the Twins did put a little bit of weight in it, just like make us put you on the roster kind of way. Um, And then number three was quality of backups. And I mentioned Luis Arise earlier being the 10th man. I think he's going to start in left field on opening day. And they feel good about him offensively, obviously. And when when Buxton's healthy in center, you can take advantage of someone who isn't as good of a defender in left, I think. And I think that's something you should take advantage of. But yeah, AK's going to be up probably uh, April 20th, I think, and starting in left field. I think, um, you know, cutting Eddie Rosario, a lot to do with that was Kirilov. They're really excited about him. I had a stat. You guys will find interesting uh, after the 2020 season. It was like the last two, in the last two full minor league seasons, the total bases leaders. And I think 2018 was Kirilov and 2019 was Luis Robert. And I was like, <laughs> oh, God, yeah, it's the Twins and the White Sox. But he was so good in 2018 in the minors that I think the Twins are just really excited about him. Um, and I'm excited about him too. Just I think from a pure hitting standpoint, from the left side, he's going to help that lineup a lot. And you mentioned Eddie like hitting big home runs. The thing about him, too, though, is, like, as you know, Eddie swings at everything. Uh, He was a great player for the Twins, and I think, you know, uh, Twins fans will miss his energy, but I think they're looking for more on base and they're looking for more out of Kirilov than they got from Rosario this last few years, just in terms of, you know, getting on, walking more. Kirilov's a contact guy. He's going to go gap to gap, and and I think what will ultimately project Back to like predict his his career will be that power projection that Rosario obviously has. So it was a it was an interesting decision, but as you guys know, that's the business.
2: I want to take you back to last September, um, Twins visiting the White Sox, two two game in the sixth inning, and a questionable call goes against Josh <laughs> Donaldson, and then he proceeds to beat Josh Donaldson and hit a home yep. run, and you know pretty much kicks dirt over home plate, gets kicked out of the game for arguing with Dan Bellino. I as a White Sox fan loved it because it was awesome display of emotion. It was awesome to be, you know, have a strike uh, against you you didn't think was a strike, and then yeah. next pitch or next couple pitches hit a home run. You as a Twins fan, I know that probably was a a, a a roller coaster of emotions. How did you feel at that time? What are your thoughts on Josh Donaldson now?
0: Yeah, I think, especially this last summer, I got into this this mode of. The twins would have a bad loss, and I would like—I had to go rinse it off. Like I had to go, like forget that they just lost because I would, it was just disappointing. That White Sox series in Chicago, when they lost three out of four, uh, that fourth game when JD got kicked out, it felt like that was the division, right? That was it. I think we all felt that way. I said it on on lockdown, Twins that day. I was like, well, that's it. You know, the Sox are going to wrap this thing up next week, and it was just—it was so disappointing um, that day. And it was disappointing because his spot came up in the lineup later on in a huge spot, and Adrian's a hit instead. And that's just – again, that's the drop-off that you're trying to avoid this year um, with your depth. But J.D. is – I'm not shy about it. My favorite player for sure on the Twins, and I think he's been uh, one of my favorite players. I mean, going back to Toronto with Edwin and um, Bautista and Stroman and all those guys, that was just such a fun team. And I kind of fell in love with them and their style, um, watching them back when the Twins were really struggling. But I think Donaldson – he again he's got to stay healthy and i think his his ability to impact the game defensively and offensively is something that the twins need that they signed him for and i think this year is, is crucial for him as well but yeah they need that energy too they were 19 and 9 when he didn't play or when he did play last year and again around 500 when he didn't play uh, him and buckson are the two biggest difference makers they're also the two biggest injury question marks so those two guys are are massively important and jd certainly at third um, just again, he, he provides what a lot of guys can't, as we know about Josh Donaldson, but again, he's 35, you know, he's running out of productive years too. So this is an important one for him, but I'm excited to watch him and, and he's healthy and he looks good this spring. Um, just from a, like a physical standpoint, his calf last year, it looks like he's strong and healthy and he says he is. So that's, that is, uh, encouraging. I'm excited to watch him, but yeah, that, that energy is, is they need it. You know, they need that intensity. It was just unfortunate that he got, you know, booted. I think he was. I think he could have avoided that, but I'm, like you said, it was kind of funny.
1: That's uh, why this game is so great. I think we also yeah. felt the same way that night, that, oh, this seems like a coronation for the White Sox, and then they yeah. don't feel like they – I don't think they won a game the rest of the season after that oh, point. God, but, you know, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but, you know, last one for me here, betonline.ag, our partner here, has the twins slated at 88.5 wins. Are you inclined to go over or under on that one, Nash?
0: Well, I just think from a, an AL Central standpoint – I'm, I'm just not in, you know, I, I accept disagreements on it. I'm just not high on, on the Royals still. Uh, I think their offseason was a bit overrated. If they had money to spend, I think they could have spent it in more efficient ways because they have, still have holes on their roster that um, need to be filled. And they have young pitching, too, that, that needs to take a big step forward. And as both our teams and fan bases know, that that doesn't happen quickly either. Um, so I'm not as high as on the Royals. I think the Tigers are going to be bad again. Um, I think Cleveland's going to be more 500 than they've been in the last couple of years, like hovering around probably that 80 win mark. So I think the White Sox and Twins are both going to go over just because I think they're going to pad wins against the bottom of the division. Um, I'm just not I know some people really like what Kansas City put together. I appreciate the effort certainly of a team that um, is more toward the bottom of the heap than they are to the top. But I still think that they. They aren't really close. I think the White Sox went nine and one against them last year. Did they I think it might have been ten and zero against them last year? And yeah, we killed the Tigers and Yeah. Yeah. T- yeah, yeah. Just whooped up on and that's that's a key for the White Sox and the Twins is like they gotta beat teams like that. And I think they know it's gonna be a tight race. And I think I just I'm not I'm not high on the bottom of the division, um, uh, especially over 162 with the pitching problems that I think we're gonna see around the league with guys trying to ramp back up. I just I think the White Sox and Twins are gonna pad wins at the top. I think it's gonna be uh two-horse race. Cleveland will be, I think they'll hover, um, but I think yeah, they'll pad win. So I'll take the over on the Twins, but I'll also take the over on the Sox.
2: And um, I have one final thing about the Twins. I have them, um, I mean, we haven't done, I think, our preview show, the whole thing for our predictions, but I have them slightly ahead of the White Sox. I mean, it's negligible. You know, one thing happens, the other yeah. thing happens. One is going to be the AL Central Champions. What? is your concern for the twins this year as far as, man, if this happens, they're messed up.
0: I mean, I think it's, it's what I said at the beginning is you could see, there are scenarios certainly where you see Luis, Robert, are we going by Robert or Robert now? I'm Robert. See, Robert. Okay. I'm it's, seeing both ways. No, it's very okay. fluid. <laughs> yeah. It's, it moves both ways, but there are scenarios where Luis, Robert and Eloy, if he's, if he's good to go, um, and Mancada and T.A. and all those guys just hit their, you know, hit their stride and have these 80th and 90th percentiles that are elite. And if they hit those, the twins are going to get buried, you know, and that's that's my biggest concern, I think, is the White Sox hitting their stride in such a way that it's it's not even like it doesn't really matter, you know, at that point, just because there's so much talent on that roster. Um, so that, that would be my biggest concern. I think they're going to win a lot of games just for the reason I mentioned. I think the bottom of the division is going to get beaten up on. And I think they have the depth to sustain or to, to, uh, you know, if there's some injuries, they can certainly, uh, maintain what the same winning way, but I don't know, man. Like, I just think the white Sox have so much upside that that's the biggest concern for me. It's not as much that the twins, I think I don't, I don't look at the twins roster and I say like, Oh, they have a gaping hole here. Or oh, I think this this position group is really going to struggle. It's just the upside of the whole roster. Like, does that? I don't think that matches the upside of the White Sox roster. But at the same time, and this might be your argument to her, why it might be negligible. Or the Twins are slightly ahead. I think the floor is pretty high for them just because they have, I feel like, a lot of options that can sub in, and that over 162, I think, will be important. Um, so I think they'll win games enough to be in contention for the entire year, even if the White Sox. Um, take off but I think that is the number one thing is if if the Sox hit their stride man they're going to be tough to beat
1: that's Nash Walker, locked on Twins. Appreciate the time tonight, my man. Uh, best of luck to you. Um, we'll, we'll talk to you guys, uh, you know, uh, throughout the course of season, the season with a bigger slate now with the 162. I think we'll be able to talk more about the rivalry, which I, we could probably do a whole episode on the Sox Twins rivalry, <laughs> um, that the hammer and nail uh, rivalry from our perspective. You know what I mean? Like you know, uh, but yeah, yeah we'll, we'll we'll make this to a two parter, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow here on Locked On White Sox. So thank you, Nash. Chris, Herb, thanks, guys. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football, yes, it's over, but the NBA, college hoops, bracket season, and the NHL, they're all in full swing. And not to mention, we've partnered up with BetOnline.ag. This Friday show, we're going to go over prop bets, over, under, division winner, pennant winner, and World Series winners, and we're going to place our bets live during the show and put our money where our mouth is at betonline.ag. How will the Southsiders fare in terms of where we're putting our money? Well, you have to wait and see until Friday's show, but you can bet on all sorts of things. You can bet on Cy Young, MVP, most home runs. There's so much fun stuff going on with baseball at betonline.ag. And you can even bet on award shows. If you're digging reality TV, they've got prop bets for that as well. The odds are updated in real time and you can bet on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds as well. It's the best way to place your bets, and best of all, it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget our promo code on That's BetOnline.ag. Today's the day the Locked On MLB Podcast Network begins its division preview series. It's all on the Locked On MLB Podcast feed right now. Every episode from now until the 31st features in-depth looks at each team in every division. Follow Locked On MLB on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. That was our conversation with Nash Walker from Locked On Twins. Join us tomorrow. For part two of our conversation where Nash grills us about all things White Sox. A lot of good questions from Nash, different than the ones we've had the past couple weeks from our division rivals. So you don't so you don't want to miss that. And coming up Friday, it's our betonline.ag. Put our money where our mouth is show. So you won't want to miss that. We pick Cy Young Award winner, ALMVP, division winner, pennant winner, and even World Series. So you don't want to miss that on Friday's show. But tomorrow, it's part two of our conversation with Locked On Twins. So for my partner, Herb Lawrence, I'm Chris Tannehill, and this has been Locked On White Sox.